All the best music, sports, and podcasts right now on FAULradio.com. Hey guys, you're listening to Chick Flicks with me, your host, Alexis Otang. I'm back with another episode and I'm super excited because today we're going to be talking about the 79th annual Venice International Film Festival. It's a dream of mine to like one day be able to go to this thing, but until then, I will just have to deal with just talking about it. There are so many big films that are premiering. Some of them are competing, some of them are not, but we're going to talk about it, give you the overview, talk about some of the things going on production-wise. There's a lot of drama over one movie that we will get into. Um, it's actually the first movie we're going to talk about, but I'm going to go ahead and start this episode talking about some background because a lot of people don't actually know what the Venice International Film Festival is. They don't know what like it's for. So I'm going to give you all some information about that, teach you a bit. Um, just a quick little plug. If you guys enjoy my podcast, please make sure you follow us on Spotify and on YouTube because it's now available on video so you can watch me in my little studio. Also, as you guys have seen, I have upgraded to an actual studio. So no more grainy green screens. Let's hope. We'll see how I do in post-production. Um, and I'm not going to bore you anymore with intros. Let's just jump straight into the episode. So the 79th Venice International Film Festival, it takes place on Lido Island in the Palo del Cinema. Palazzo del Cinema. If I'm not saying that right, I'm sorry. I'm not Italian and I will do my best. Um, so it's like one of the biggest film festivals in the world. You might hear about other ones like Cannes. It's all in the same league. Um, the festival is officially recognized by the International Federation of Film Producers Association. So otherwise known as the FIAPF. So if that information is something you wanted, there you go. Um, now, it typically happens August 31st to September 10th, and it's the place to showcase big films that we've been waiting for all year, but also it's a place for lesser-known directors, actors to, you know, showcase their talents and hopefully um, get some recognition when it comes time to award season. This is where the award season promotion really starts. And this year we have a lot of contenders who I feel like the Academy will want to recognize. And there's some people that I will. But in terms of this festival, it is a competition. It's a film festival just like any other that you would enter at a local um, one. So there is the Golden Lion Award, which is the highest prize given to a film at the festival. The last US film to win it was Nomadland, which was directed by Chloe Zhao, and she actually won two Academy Awards for Best Picture and Best Director for that movie. If you don't know Chloe Zhao, she directed Eternals just recently. She's an amazing director. She's won Golden Globes for Nomadland. I adore her, and she's really paving the way for female directors in Hollywood. So all the respect to her. Um, some other notable winners of the Golden Lion, which a lot of people may know, is the Joker. Everybody loved that movie. It was a great origin villain, villain origin movie. Um, Shape of Water, which also won Best Picture at the Academy Award. So winning this prize kind of indicates who's going to be in the running for Best Picture Award at the Academy Awards. You know, a lot of the people who judge 
these film festivals are on the Academy Award or have the same mindset as the Academy. So I wouldn't be surprised if whoever won the Golden Lion this year went on to win Best Picture. So this year, Juliana Moore is the international jury president, and she will be overseeing the judging process in who will get this amazing award. So that's a quick intro. If you don't know, of course, you can go onto their website to get more information, but just wanted to give you a quick rundown because for the longest time, I really didn't know what happened at this film festival, and I was more like into all the drama that was happening and all the stars and who's on the red carpet, but if you're interested in that, there you go. So the first movie I want to talk about that is premiering, we've got to talk about it. It's the buzz. You probably heard so much in the tabloids and the news. Don't worry, darling. Now, it is premiering out of competition. It's not going to actually be in the running for any awards. Um, but that's not really a big deal because I don't think it's going to win any. It wouldn't have. Not with what the critics are saying. Um, so it is directed by Olivia Wilde, and it's starring Florence Pugh, Harry Styles, Chris Pine, Sydney Chandler, Gemma Chan, and Nicholas Kroll. Um, if you don't recognize the names, Florence Pugh is a big actress right now. She was in Little Woman. She plays Yelena in the Marvel Universe. She was in Midsummer, which is an amazing movie if you haven't seen. Um, of course, everybody knows Harry Styles right now, but this is, I think his, this is not his acting debut, I was about to say, but this is one of his first uh, leading roles. His acting debut, I can't remember the movie. It was like, it was like some World War movie. And he had like one line, but you know, who cares? He was also in the Eternals movie. So that's another quote. He came in at the bonus scene at the end. So he's not new to acting in the sense of being on camera, but this is his first leading role. Uh, you have Gemma Chan, who's also in the Eternals. So that's cute. Nicholas Kroll, he's the creator of Big Mouth, which is one of my favorite like animated shows. A lot of people say it's graphic, but I think it's amazing. Now, it is a psychological thriller, Don't Worry Darling, and it's based off a screenplay by Katie Silberman. A little bit of a synopsis is it's about a young couple living in a small town in the 1950s where life is seemingly perfect until the wife, played by Florence Pugh, begins to discover how it is far from how it seems. Um, now, there is a lot of drama surrounding this movie, specifically between Olivia Wilde, the director, Harry Styles, Florence Pugh, and Shia LaBeouf. Now, Shia LaBeouf was originally supposed to play the leading actor in this film. And originally, he left the production, like when they first announced that he was leaving it, was due to scheduling conflict. And then he was accused of some pretty serious charges by his formal partner. And Olivia Wilde and her team came out and said that they fired him because he was making it, he's being difficult on set and he was making Florence Pugh uncomfortable. Well, in a letter that he wrote to a magazine, Shia LaBeouf revealed that that is not the case at all, that Olivia desperately wanted him to be the leading actor and that she was trying to make it work and that he left on his own recognizance. I didn't say that word right, but who cares? Um, because of scheduling conflicts and also because he didn't feel that Olivia was doing her job right artistic differences. And he further proved his point by releasing a video that is 
pretty good on his side. Like it was showing Olivia Wilde talking to him, being like, I want to make this work. Destroying her claims that she fired him because of the allegations, because in the video, it does seem like she wants to keep him despite all of that. And not even despite all of that, it seems like it didn't have anything to do with why he left. Um, and she says Miss Flo needs a wake up call. And Florence Pugh has been pretty vocal about how she didn't really like how things have been run on this film. She stated that it felt like she was having to uh, be an artistic director for a lot of the scenes, lead a lot of the production, and how the relationship between Harry Styles and Olivia Wilde was quite uncomfortable to watch. Um, she explains it was just unprofessional from start to finish, and it was revealed that Olivia Wilde actually wanted Harry Styles to lead this film from the get-go. But I believe the production company, or yeah, didn't really want a unexperienced actor as their leading man. They wanted somebody with a little bit more. So that's why they went with Shia LaBeouf. So overall, there's been so much controversy following this film. Um, all I will say in regard in regards to this film is we're seeing a trend of how drama on set behind the scenes of production can really bleed into the overall uh, overall like well-being of the movie. If you look at Euphoria, there was a lot of, I won't say drama, but a lot of conflict on set between Barbie Ferreira and Sam Levinson. There's apparently some drama between co-stars. And while I think Euphoria, I did have a review, so go check that out. I did think it was overall a good season. I think that a lot of the disconnects that happen are due to those conflicts that were happening behind screen. And it's, I basically feel like this is like evidence to show that like, you need a production crew, you need a cast, you need a director that can get along, that can put their differences aside in order for the film to be good because it just starts bleeding into the plot, the acting, it affects how things are ran. And I don't think, I think Don't Worry Darling could have been a really good film. It it premiered with a 39% Rotten Tomato score, which is pretty bad. It was super hyped up. People were super excited to see Harry Styles in a leading role. We know that if Florence Pugh is going to be in a movie, she's going to kill it no matter what. So I feel like this was like it had everything to be successful and just so many outside factors affected that. Um, now, what are the critics saying in regards to their performances? Everybody adores Florence. They said that she knocked it out the part. She is the best part of this film, so much so that she blows her co-stars out of the water. A lot of people, a lot of critics mentioned that Harry Styles wasn't bad, actually, um, which if you look at Twitter, everybody has seen that teaser that they put out. And a lot of people have been giving him a hard time. But I think that video has been taken out of context because I'm pretty sure in the plot that Harry Styles' is character is um, acting like he's American, that he actually does have a British accent. And the more that he starts revealing his true colors, the more that accent comes out. So people were critiquing him because he's like, they don't, he doesn't sound American at all. That's the point. So he's doing his job correctly. Um, but a lot of critics said that he was actually pretty well in the movie. But when you're next to a star like Florence Pugh, you tend to shine a lot less. So that is 
all that is to know about Don't Worry Darling. It comes out September 22nd, which is my birthday. I don't know if I'll see it on my birthday, but I'm definitely gonna go out to see it because I love Harry Styles as a music artist and I love supporting my favorite celebrities. I love Prince Florence Pugh. I love so many of the people on this cast. And the last thing I'll say is Olivia Wilde said in an interview that if a movie is bad, it is the director's fault. And those words have definitely never been so true. I definitely think that a lot of Don't Worry Darlings like fault comes at her expense. She's kind of the reason for it, but I'll leave it at that guys. And you should let me know what you think. So next film I wanna talk about that premiered and is actually competing at the festival is The Whale. I'm super excited about this film because it is, I feel like the true comeback of Brandon Fraser. So it's competing at the festival, but I already said that. It's directed by Darren Aronofsky. I hope I said that right. If I didn't, I'm sorry. It stars Brandon Fraser and Sadie Sink, who you know from Stranger Things. Um, Sadie Sink is on a roll, like I said in a past episode. She deserved, because I'm pretty sure she directed an episode of Stranger Things for season four. If she did, it was um, Dear Belly, and that is the best episode of the season by far. If that is true, I don't know why she didn't get an Emmy nomination because she deserves it. That episode, whoever directed that episode needs an Emmy nomination. It is so good. Um, but let's get back onto The Whale. It's based on a Samuel G. Hunter's play, and it's about an obese English teacher who has lost connections with his family after leaving them for his lover. Now, years later, his lover has died and he's trying to reconnect with his teen daughter. It has an 84% on Rotten Tomatoes and critics are saying that this is an amazing movie, that it does fall short in some areas, but overall the acting by Brandon Fraser, by Sadie Sink and the whole ensemble is just amazing. It was giving a six plus standing ovation at its premiere. It was super amazing. And if you've seen the video, it almost brought me to tears because I feel like Brandon Fraser probably thought his time in Hollywood was done. If you don't know much about his backstory, he was Hollywood's leading, leading man for a long time. You know him from the Mummy movies. Those are some of my favorite movies. I adore the ride at Universal. And then he came out, apparently he spoke out about assault that happened to him and he was blacklisted from the industry. Um, it was only recently that he started getting back in. He was in a DC um, TV show, TV series called Doom Patrol. And I absolutely love what DC is doing with their um, series right now. I haven't watched Doom Patrol yet, but I want to because I like Titans. I think it's a great series and it's right on par with there. Um, so it's just been given a lot of love by critics and I really want to see this film. He completely transforms into this obese English teacher. Um, from what I've heard, it is just a film that will um, jerk your tears, a tear jerker in a sense. And I, I just been rooting for him. I've loved him in the movie since I was a kid and to see him back, to see him getting the recognition and love and the roles that he deserves just makes my heart happy. I definitely think that he is in the running for an Academy Award. And I think that would just top off this comeback story if he were to win an Oscar for this performance. So there's a lot of buzz that he's definitely now in the running with this movie. And I'm rooting for him. Like, 
sorry to Harry Styles, but I don't think it's happening, even if God wanted it to. So next best person I'm going to root for is Brandon Fraser. So another film that is competing at the film festival is White Noise, which I think this was its leading, the leading, the opening film for the festival. Um, it's directed by Noah Bombach. Um, it stars Greta Gerwig, who is going to be directing the new Barbie movie with Margot Robbie. So get excited for that. Um, it also stars Adam Driver, Andre 3000, and Don Cheadle. It's a black comedy horror film adapted from the 1985 novel of the same name. And it is going to be released on Netflix. And it's the another there's another movie that's also premiering at the festival that will be released on Netflix. Now, uh, this film has gotten a lot of love at the film festival. It has a 91 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. And the info is it is a at once hilarious and horrifying lyrical and absurd Ordinary and apocalyptic white noise dramatizes a contemporary American family's attempts to deal with the mundane conflicts of everyday life while grappling with the universe mysteries of love, death, and the possibility of happiness in a certain world. I don't know about you, but that summary does not tell me much about the movie. I don't really know what it's about, but it has been the talk of the film festival. People have been raving about the performances. Uh, just some of the reviews that I could read off of white, uh, Rotten Tomatoes. White Noise accurately understands how our prophylactic response to real or imagined disaster is a constant, inextricable conversation with shifting culture structures designed to keep us dumb and drooling. In these days of environmental collapse, Bombach often strikes the right note, a swipe of the American dream where people are popped up by prescription drugs and engulfed in fear. Adam Driver has been on a roll with his films. He's constantly in top-notch productions. One of my favorite movies that he's been in has been um, Black Klansman. I absolutely adore that film. You should see it. And so this film is probably going to be raved about. Do I think it's going to be in competition for the Academy Awards? I definitely think for the production aspect, it's going to be in the running for design, costuming, cinematography. I've heard nothing nothing but good things from this film so yeah I definitely will be watching it and by the way if you want me to review any of these films that are going to premiere at this festival you guys just need to let me know on my Instagram because I am willing to anything that I can watch I'm down to watch okay and then the last film I want to talk oh not last film the second to last film I want to talk about is Blonde I have been anticipating this movie especially because it deals with old Hollywood and the biggest Hollywood icon of all, Marilyn Monroe. It is going to be competing at the festival. It is directed by Andrew Dominic. It stars Ana de Armas, Adrian Brody, and Sarah Paxton. It's a biological, psychological drama adaptation of the novel a novel of the same name. It follows the starlight and major film icon Marilyn Monroe and her life in the spotlight. It follows reality while twisting fictional elements to create a story unlike before. Now, some things that people are getting wrong about this film is that it's supposed to be like an accurate depiction of Marilyn Monroe's life. That is not true in the slightest. It's a film, guys. You have to remember walking into it that is going to have a bit of... Dram dra dramatics twisted into it. It's going to have 
elements that probably didn't really happen in her life, but it's a drama dramatization of Marilyn Monroe. So expect it to be that, not a documentary on Marilyn Monroe. Um, it got a 14-minute standing ovation at the Venice Film Festival. Um, I don't know if anything has quite beat that yet, but that is amazing. I don't think I could stand somewhere and clap for a minute, let alone 14. So there is high praise for this film. Um, I Let me see what it scored on Rotten Tomatoes because I don't have that in my notes. It has an 86%, which is not the highest, I believe, of the film festival, but it's definitely up there. Uh, some of the things the critics are saying, it swallows you up like an uneasy dream and at once all too familiar and prickingly unreal. Um, what's most exciting about what's most exciting about Dominic's vision is that it pieces together the most famous images of Monroe to create a collage that pays homage to her ultimate unknown ability. So it's just been getting praise it sung by the excuse me critics. I'm super excited to see it. It's going to premiere on Netflix. So if there is one film other than Don't Worry Darling that I'm definitely down to review, it's this one. Um, I think Marin, Marilyn Monroe is literally an icon. Nobody can argue that she has a big influence on old Hollywood. She has a big influence on pop culture, just with her dress. Like, I feel like this year there's been a lot of paying homage to Marilyn Monroe with the Met Gala and her dress that she wore at the President's Gala being worn by Kim Kardashian, which people were so, like, uh, frenzy about that, which I have my opinions on that, but I'm not going to get into it. I do have a TikTok, though, so you can listen to what I said about that. I think that if there is going to be a movie that respectively pays homage and really gets the insight on what Marilyn Monroe's life was like in the spotlight, it's going to be blonde. They are singing praises of Ana de Armas. I think she is going to be in the running for an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, everything. I think this is definitely going to be a role that um, continues to rocket her into the spotlight. And so those are the, um, I keep forgetting. I have one more film, last one, which stars our Hollywood golden boy, Bones and All. This is a drama and a romance. It has a 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. It is directed by Luca Guadag. Gino. I don't think I said that right. I think it's Italian, so sorry. Um, and it stars Taylor Russell, Jessica Harper, and as we all know and love, Til Timothy Chalamet. This guy is on fire with all the productions he has coming out. He's adding and building to his resume as the months go by. He's been in top-notch productions, and I feel like he is just on, like, like if this was a, like, graph, he is literally going to hit the stars like he's he's already a household name, but he's just continues to ingrain further that he is a top notch actor. Um, they have been singing praises of this film like and I feel like with its subject matter, uh, just a quick synopsis from Ron Tomatoes, a story of first love between Marin, a young woman learning how to survive on the margins of society, and Lee, an intense and disenfranchised drifter, as they meet and join together for a thousand-mile odyssey, which takes them through the backroads, 
hidden passages, and trapdoors of Ronald Reagan's America. But, but, but despite their best efforts, all roads lead back to their terrifying past and to a final strand that will determine whether their love can survive the otherness, their otherness. Um, just a little spoiler, the film deals with cannibalism. A lot of it. It's a little bit graphic, um, which is kind of funny to think about it because it's also a romance. And they say, the critics are saying that it's perfectly balanced each other. That's crazy to think of at a cannibalist movie is the perfect like setup for a romance. But hey, Timothy Chalamet can make quite anything work. Um, some of the reviews are saying it's gritty, lush, sensual, and deeply cinematic. There's a real pleasure in bones and all, an insistent sweetness that somehow both nourishes and cleanses away the horror. So overall, I definitely think I want to see this movie. Um, I believe that Timothy is one of the best actors of her generation. They're also singing praises of Taylor Russell. She's done a fantastic job in this film. It got a very lengthy standing ovation. I don't know the exact number, but it was pretty long. And so overall, this film festival this year is super competitive. There's a lot of films. And I've just touched on just the basic ones. There's so much more that's going on. There's so much more um, that are premiering that are making a big splash. But these are some of the biggest ones that have been in the news. So who gets the golden line this year? I don't know. It is up in the air. All I know is if it's any of the films I've mentioned other than Don't Worry Darling, it's definitely going to be well deserved. So that's all my synopsis. Not my synopsis. I just like saying that word. I'm kind of tired today, guys. Sorry. But that is all I have to say about the Venice Film Festival. If you guys enjoyed this episode of Chick Flicks, please, please, please follow us on our Instagram at The Chick Flicks Show or TikTok at The Chick Flicks Show. You can follow me on my public profile at Simply Alexis, spelled A-L-X-S. Don't forget, I am officially now an FAU Owl radio podcast and an FAU Owl TV show. So give them some love. If you're watching from their platforms, hey guys, I'm super happy to join you to the Chick Flicks fam. Um, and yeah, we will have other videos coming out, hopefully on one of these films I just talked about. And I'll let you know if they are Chick Flicks approved. But that's it from me. Make sure you like and subscribe to one of the channels that you're watching this on, whether it's Owl TVs or mine. And make sure you leave a comment and tell me what you guys want me to reveal. Um, review. There are so many films coming out and I don't know if I'll be able to see all of them, but I'll see as many as I can and put out as many episodes as I possibly can. And yeah, guys, that's pretty much it from me. I love you. This is Alexis sending off a chick flicks. See you guys later.